Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. I'm your host, Antoine Walter, and in today's episode, I am extremely pleased to welcome Björn Otto as my guest. Björn is leading the Aquacritox business unit while being the marketing director of Hager and Elzessa, one of the world's leading suppliers of water and wastewater technology with more than 30,000 turnkey plants in over 130 countries around the globe. Actually, as much of a technical expert as Björn may be, our conversation today revolved around something different, which is almost a swear word in the water industry, marketing. In the interview, Björn will share the special sauce you need to be efficient in marketing in the water industry and how marketing actually changed or shall change to move away from product marketing and be more customer-centric. He'll explain what this shift of paradigm involves and review three practices that water marketers should stop at any cost and right away. You'll also learn why you should launch an employee advocacy initiative and how and what makes a good product. We also discuss TikTok, Clubhouse, revolutionary process steps or purpose. I have to apologize a bit as well because our sound this week is not as good as I would have hoped, but trust me, there's a lot to unpack. Now, before giving the floor to our sponsor, I'll need you to help me help you. <laughs> Sounds weird, right? But you have the power to bring more guests like Björn on that microphone. And all you have to do, therefore, is to open your favorite podcatcher and give the podcast a five-star review and a comment. Let me show you what the Aquatero shared on Apple Podcast, and I'll try not to blush while reading. If you are a water wonk like me, then you should not miss this podcast. Antoine is an insightful interviewer who is always well prepared to ask the right questions. His style keeps episodes both educational and fun. So thanks, thanks a ton, the Aquatero. I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Björn Otto, which is now up right after this. You're listening to Don't Waste Water, the podcast that helps water professionals to improve their wastewater treatment, optimize their operation costs, and keep up with the latest market trends. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. As a leading supplier of piping systems made of plastics and metal, GF Piping Systems is the global expert for the safe and reliable transportation of water, chemicals, and gas. For more information, visit gfps.com. So hi, Bjorn. Welcome to the show. Hey, Antoine. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure for me to be on board. Well, I've been reading a lot of what you've been publishing over the past weeks, month, be it on LinkedIn or on your excellent newsletter, I have to say. Thank you. And I feel like I know you, even if uh, <laughs> that's not really true. So I'm really uh, looking forward to this hopefully not too long, but this probably hour that we're going to spend together. But I'd like to start with a postcard. And uh, I've been doing my homework and I've been reading Wikipedia. And I found out that you're living in a former thermal city. And I was just wondering, um, how good is the water where you're living? <laughs> Very good question. Um, I never heard that. But anyway, the water is pretty fine. This is uh, a very small city, let's say, between, or not city, a very small village where I live, between Frankfurt and Nuremberg. And the water is great. The good thing is we have a lake nearby. And if you have some kids, as I have, then it is always good to have something like this in the near to spend your time with. Well, according to Wikipedia, that lake is now full of that thermal water. So I guess if you're spending some good time at the lake, you're probably be benefiting of the health oh, yeah, advantages. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. And honestly, Spoken, I'm living here since one year. I've never been into the lake. I just, you know, uh, running around the lake because it's a two kilometers a drive. And that makes it very, yeah, that's fun to do so. <laughs> so, Bjorn, to define you, I've seen that you're an international manager, a strategist, you're a marketer, you're a water and wastewater treatment expert, you're a market insider, you're a new technology enthusiast, and that makes a lot <laughs> for one man. And I was just wondering, if you had to define yourself, how would you do that? Let's say, first of all, it's true, it's a lot, it's a lot, but let's say if it would come to my personal pitch, let's say, it would be like this, I am helping companies increasing their revenue, brand awareness, and making them visible to their clients. 
I'm a water professional with an engineering background and proven track record in sales and marketing over the last 12 years. And I did this for several players on the water market. For instance, for Ken Byron, which is the largest activity carbon producer, or for Nutera, with a unique MBR technology. And at the moment, I'm in charge for HME, one of the world's leading plant manufacturer. How does this sound for you? This will be the pitch, right? <laughs> it will be my pitch. But I mean, you know, I love our water industry because there are so many different applications we have, and that makes it so interesting. We are absolutely technology driven, but in the end, very conservative. And I really want to bring this industry forward. This is my ambition. That's a very good ambition. Ambitious ambition, I have to say. Yeah. Maybe just to precise something. You mentioned H&E for the insiders. We know what's behind those acronym, but maybe you can elaborate a bit. H&E oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. is a company which since more than 100 years on the market and is one of the largest manufacturer for water and wastewater treatment plants. It's based in Stuttgart. And is really focusing on process and wastewater. And for the industry, applications really focused on semiconductor, food and bath, also chemical and oil and gas industry. And has a long-lasting history with over, meanwhile, 30,000 references worldwide that makes it, you know, really one of the players in the market. So that means you're working for a really historical player, Yeah, well, one more thing. One more thing. H&E means Hagen Elsasser. And the original founder, Willy Hagen, founded this company in 1932. We all know 1932 was not a good time to found a company. <laughs> But he founded a company and he had a vision. And now, almost 100 years later, we are there where we are. It's unbelievable. For me, it's always incredible if you have such a history because one man started to sing and had a vision and started a company. Unbelievable, isn't it? Absolutely. But that means that you, you have to live on that heritage and you have to keep building the future of H&E, which I guess is a part of your challenge as the head of marketing, right? Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a challenge, uh, especially nowadays. Uh, we have, from marketing perspective, I mean, we have a lot of things to talk about and there are a lot of channels you have to use to bring your message forward. Yeah, nowadays it's, it's really a challenge, but it is also really fun. And if you have the right people you can work with, I mean, you can, you can do everything, right? <laughs> well, before diving into the marketing, I was wondering, you know, we are a technical industry And it's fun to see that in all the places in the companies, it's lots of technical guys, even in marketing like you do. <laughs> And your path sounds like, you know, the, the typical success story in our industry, starting from the technical side and then going into sales, into business development, management. Would you say that that's the typical path as I just described it? Or do you have maybe a special source that you want to share with the world? What I have identified is that the major issues the companies in our water industry have, they are very technology-driven. Our whole industry is very, very technology-driven. If it comes to marketing, they mostly rely on agencies and they have no clue. They don't understand the technology or the market, mostly, right? So, and I, and I would define myself as the best out of the two different worlds. I fully understand the technology and I understand the marketing world, and I bring this together. So I, I identified this is my sweet spot, right? This is how I differentiate myself. I mean, two examples, just for, for imagine. Once I met someone who was responsible for marketing for also a big EPC contractor, and I talked to him, and, you know, it turned out very, very soon that he had no clue between an UF and an RO element. And I was thinking to myself, how can that be? How can he be in the marketing position if he has no clue about this? Because he was an APC contractor, right? Or the other way, I had an experience, honestly, I had an experience with an agency and I gave him the task or I gave him some keywords and he had to figure out the rankings and other competitors and things like this, right? Normal work. He came back, honestly, you know, he came back with Amazon. I, I mean, the Amazon from Seattle. And he said, Well, they are selling water filters. And I was thinking to myself, no, 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 no. I have to change that. <laughs> and, and that's how it came, right? That I said, hey, I'm the best of the two worlds. I understand marketing. I can talk to the guys from the agency on ILO 
And on the other hand, I know the technology because I have the engineering background. And that's, I think, if you, if you ask me what is my special source, well, most probably this. <laughs> so you're kind of a link between those two words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The interesting aspect, and that's what I would like to address with you in, in our deep dive, it's that you are actually working in a field which is almost a swear word in our industry. You know, marketing, it's like, well, you market something when really your product or your solution is not good. It's like, you know, you're like swearing to an engineer saying, hey, we have to prepare some, some marketing. It's like, what, what? My solution is so perfect. Doesn't need any marketing. But that brings me down to a very simple question. What is marketing today in the water industry? And I'll add the special touch to that. You know, very usually marketing seems to be brochures and PowerPoints. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> is there a life past that? It's, it's really a pain for me, right? I mean, it, it makes me create a really crazy if people really think that marketing is creating brushes or business cards. From my understanding, that's admin work. That has nothing to do with marketing, also not in our water world, right? But it's quite often, you're totally right, it's quite often the case. In my world, marketing makes sure if the project is on your table and you have to purchase the equipment that my product is in your head. That's my definition, right? And how you can do this? I mean, I got recently a list with 41 different ways of marketing. Very impressive number, right? And does our listener know that this podcast is marketing? Most of them not. Sorry, Antoine, for, for telling the secrets. But podcast is just one tool out of the list to do marketing, Right. Also, marketing has a strategic orientation, also, you know, a market observation and as well internal communication. But today, most water companies still rely on pure product marketing. This generates neither emotions or no relevance. But that's important if you want to be successful on the market. Let me quote one guy here, the godfather of content marketing, who nailed it really down. He said, your customers are not interested in you, your company, or your product. They care about themselves. That means for all of us, take care about the customer problem or problems and not only to sell your product. That is what marketing is about. So how do you ensure that you understand the problems of the customer and that way that you can be at the very top of that funnel and hopefully be in their heads the day they want to look for a solution? First of all, first of all, I believe that companies are not losing against competition. I believe that companies are losing just against own unknownness. What does it mean? They have to promote their product. They have to promote their knowledge. If you want to be in the head of your client, you have to have the understanding. You have to have the understanding what the problem of the client is. And then coming back to the point, right? How can an agency, if you give everything to an agency, how can he make sure, how can he understand what the problem is, right? I mean, as I said in the beginning, we are very technology-driven, right? We have to understand what a COD is, what a uh, conductivity measurement is, and so on. We have to understand that, right? And then we have to, we have to, have to nail it down. What is this problem? And then you, you know, create the product, and then you bring it out. But you don't tell the customer all the time, hey, I have the best product. Tell them how to solve the problem. Help them. Nail it down to the point is you have to give him something. You have to give him something. And in the latest day, you can ask him, okay, do you want to buy my product? But mostly what we see is we always want to sell. We always want to sell. But we have to give first. In that first phase, how does that look like? Do you interview customers? Do you go out there in the field trying to watch them in their daily life, in their daily struggles in order to better understand them? Do you rely on the feedback that you get from your, your sales guy? Or how do you make sure that you grasp those problems of the customers? It's just one simple word, listen. Go there and listen. I mean, they have problems. Ask them. Ask them about the problems they have. That's all. Listen. Send your sales guys. If they are with a customer, ask them. Okay, ask for the problems. You have to train your sales guy that they have to listen more instead of speaking, Right? Because then you get the, you know, then you get the sense, then you get the, where's really the pain for the customer. And this you have to bring home. And then you can try to solve the problem. 
And one of the problem solvers is your product or your service. But you have to see it more, for, let's say, from a global perspective, not only from your product perspective. Go there, ask, and listen. Very simple way. If I get you right, that means that that makes kind of a circle. Usually, you know, marketing is seen as something which is really down the line. You develop your product, you develop your solution, and then at the very end, you market it, and hopefully it finds a customer. And what you're saying is that marketing is actually at the beginning as well, because marketing is that link to the customer to make sure that you, you understand him and that you design something which is really according to what he needs because it has to be solving his issues today. Am I right to, to summarize it that way or am, am I simplifying it a bit too much? No, you're 100% right. I mean, think about that. Years ago, it was like this. You developed a fancy product and afterwards you started marketing and to promote what you build, right? Today, it is no longer the strategy, right? Today is that marketing is also comes in to evaluate the market, to evaluate the chances to be successful. And here again, I struggle a little bit with the external marketing agency because I had a recent experience with that because I did already this. I mean, only your own people know what the market is, what the technology is, and so on and so on and so on. That's why I'm a big fan of having someone responsible who know both ends. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not against an external marketing agency, right? But you always need to have someone in-house to have the marketing and technology knowledge, right, to lead this agency. Otherwise, you put your money on them without having a clue what, and more important, why are they doing things they do? I mean, it's the same business your technology suppliers, right? Every APC knows how the pump from the supplier works or the membrane from the supplier. So marketing... Also, what I want to come to the point, marketing evaluates the market as well and promotes the product afterwards until it comes into the sales cycle. So, and one more thing, why you need marketing is also to up for, for the observation of your competitors. How do you want to know how your position is? I know some companies who always check the export statistics to identify exactly their market share. Because you can see how much they exported in this product, right, with this, with this export number. And then they can see the overall number. And then they say, all right, this is how we are. So all I want to say is it is much more. And marketing is definitely in the beginning because you don't create a product anymore as in the early stage or early years, right, and then promote it. Today it is evaluate the market. Is there really a need for this product? Otherwise, you would fail and that's also, that's also a task for marketing, definitely. So you mentioned there are 41 different channels that you can use for marketing, and we are currently on one of those with podcasts. But if you had to do your personal top three out of the 40 remaining, what would it be? Well, let's say, let's say for, our, for our industry, this is definitely, you have to be on social media. In our case, it is LinkedIn. I always believe in, in email marketing and I believe the other social media channel, which is YouTube. So if you name it down on the, on the three, I would take the three. How do you leverage email marketing and LinkedIn to nail those customer problems? Do you monitor what they say? Do you engage a discussion with them? What's the trick? Okay, I mean, you, you get a lot of feedback from social media. Let's say in our case, really, I mean, if you're talking about social media in our case, in the water industry, it is B2B. If you are a little bit also in the B2C, you have to figure out how, for instance, Instagram or Facebook would work for you, right? It's also important. But let's, let's, let's concentrate a little bit on, on LinkedIn only. So, yes, you get a lot of feedback. You get a lot of feedback, and then you can, can see how the market reacts on your product. But I wouldn't rely on that. More important is that you get visible. Get visible and give, as I said in the beginning, you have to give more than to ask for a sale. So it's the same on social media. Social media don't belong to you. Whatever you do on social media, tomorrow it could be over, right? So I learned years ago, don't uh, own a house on rental land, right? It's the same. <laughs> so that means social media is pretty cool. You get a lot of uh, feedback and you know a lot of people and you see a lot of people but you, the trick is to convert this 
outside the social media world. And this is your CRM, where the final information will go in. But before that, it is that you have to give some kind of, kind of free white paper, you have to give them an email marketing newsletter, with, or not even, but a newsletter, tech, very informative, technical newsletter, to attract them, to make sure that they are with you, right? Because then the, the rest, the sales process is way more easier. Give you an example. Give you an example. Think about a waterwork, right? A waterwork which is replacing each and every year 10 tons of activity carbon. Right, which is normal, right? And they have suppliers. So, and if you are a new market player with carbon or established or whatever, and you want to, you want to come in into this business, you, your sales guy will go there and will knock to the door, and the guy is saying, "Hey, I have a supplier. I don't know you. It's just feature torque and things like this. I don't want to change." But if marketing does the work right, the conversation could be like this: you knock on the door, same situation, and the guy opens and says, "Hey." Cool that you are here. I have recently downloaded a white paper how to backflush my activity combat. That helps me a lot to improve my performance. And by the way, your company does a great newsletter which gives me every so informative information which are really helpful for my daily work. And by the way, your post, your statement you gave last week on LinkedIn, I totally agree with that. Come in and have a coffee. What can I do for you? How does this sound? Much better. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean, right? You have to be on a couple of channels, nailed down to not too many. You can't play on each ground, right? But, you know, give information. Be there, right? Solve the problems and not only try to sell your product. That is the key. You know about building on someone else's lens? Tell me about it. You know, 10 years ago, I had a musical band and we thought, shall we to a website and said, no, why do a website? We will make a MySpace. And we had the best MySpace in the world. I mean, really wonderful MySpace. And then someday someone turned off MySpace and we had nothing left. So, <laughs> yeah, All right. I, I feel you. <laughs> and that, that's exactly the same. I mean, I don't believe that LinkedIn will be down in two years, right? But let's they work on their algorithm every day. And maybe your post are no longer that fancy and that attractive that they play it out. So you're going down, let's say, invisibility. That can happen every day, right? Worst case, they can ban you, right? This has also happened, not in our industry, persons. But anyway, it is still a rented land. The key is you have to bring them to your own land. And your own land is your contact list, it's your email list. Right, because this you can use, you can call them, you can email them, you can go there, you can so much do with that. And that's why I said you have to build the landing pages. I'm not talking about your web page, I'm talking about landing pages. You have to build landing pages when you put something on, let's say a fancy white paper, as I mentioned in my example with the active rate carbon bar. He's downloading this, and the only price he has to pay is your email address. And then you can, you can call him, you can email him, you can, you can do so many things with that, but you're no longer on a social media platform. It's interesting because if you look back, let's say not even a decade, maybe five years ago, people were considering email would be dead pretty soon and uh, it would be replaced by social media. And it looks like the more social media we have, the more important email is because at the end of the day, that's something you can not own, but it's a more direct relationship to your customer base and uh, there's no algorithm in between. Uh, when you send it, whether they open it or they don't open it, but it ends up in their inbox. So I think it's an interesting shift of paradigm, if I might say so, because really social media was seen as something that would replace and disrupt emails, and it didn't. So I fully agree with you on, on the importance of email. If I get you right, uh, marketing done right means that a sales guy will never again have to do a cold call because you are warming up the field for him. Right? Well, in the best case, it is exactly like this, yeah. But also, I mean, you can cold calls. I mean, I saw a lot of studies which are saying cold calls are really dead, right? Because the effectiveness of cold calls is very low, which was more related to commodity, right? I mean, if you are talking about our industry, we, we have much more than just the commodity. But it is even more complicated if a cold call. For instance, if you 
let, let's call it, you have a pump supplier, right? You have a fancy pump. So, and you want to make sure that your fancy pump is in the new next project with this OEM company. But who is responsible? Does this guy has a project on table where he needs a pump, right? You have to get him in the right moment. And that's very, very tricky. And that's why cold calling is very complicated. And that's why it's more easier if you prepare the market by marketing and then you go out, then you launch it. Go back to the example with the waterwork and there, there was the activated carbon, right? You knock on the door, he has no clue about you, which is nothing else than a cold call. It's a cold visit, more or less, right? Today, it is all about trust. You have to build up the trust. And this you can only do if you give something, right? Because if you give something, it's a kind of, that's a very complicated word. It's a kind of psychological thing, right? So if you give something, then you own something from the other end. Think about a very simple example. If you go to a restaurant, why do you think you get an espresso on house by the end? Because the tip will be higher than. Because he gave you something for free. So now I own you something. Uh, okay, I give you more tip. Convert this to our industry. If I give you a white paper, if I give you an informative newsletter, if I give you this and I give you that, and then I'm coming to you and saying, hey, I have a fancy pump, right? And I have a cool story about this pump. What do you think? Is it easier or more complicated? I think definitely the first one. That's reciprocity, right? I think it's... Um, yeah, yeah. The studies exactly. were done by Robert Sheldini, and he has a very funny example of... Um, people who received a Goodyear letter totally by mistake. So they receive a letter, they don't know the people that send the letter, but they just received the, this letter which says, um, Happy New Year, uh, hope everything is fine. <laughs> what do they do? Well, they just respond and they send back Happy New Year. And that then lasted for 10 years, 15 years, and these guys never met. But still, reciprocity, you are forced by your brain. It sounds like our tribal roots our monkey roots are still somehow in our in our heads. Yeah, you're 100% right. Sorry, but there's another example which I really want to give you or the audience. There was a similar thing. It was in a group, at, I think it was in railway station, and it was a group of persons who gave everybody who came in a flower for free, right? And you walked away, and let's say 15 meters from, uh, far away, there was another person from the same group who was asking for money. The people spent more after they got the flower as the other group who got no flower. It's exactly the same analogy, right? You got something. Okay, now you feel exactly with, with your example. You have to give something back. And that's how it works. That's also marketing. So that's a good practice in marketing. Let's look at the dark side. If you had to list three bad practices or things that our industry keeps doing, which is at best inefficient, what would be your, let's say, worst three? Yeah. Let's say there's always one big thing, one big thing. <laughs> I would really recommend to change immediately. Stop talking about technical features. Stop doing this. And posting that you built another new system, it doesn't work. Right? If you always come with the same, hey, I'm talking about features, I'm talking about features, and then posting the next installation, nobody's really interested in that. You can find tons, dozens of examples, for instance, on LinkedIn, right? And they don't get really the attraction, and they don't really trigger the people. What you really have to do is you have to differentiate between features and benefits. Mm -hmm. Facts tell, stories sells. That's the sentences you have to keep in mind, right? I mean, we are very technology-driven, right? But there's a difference in features and benefits. Features are technical details of a product or your service, and the benefits are what the customer gets out of it. Feature, but feature talk is what most companies are doing. Tack, 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 like this, right? Now it comes, if you have to differentiate your product with features, that means one thing, you are replaceable. Because think about that. Let's say if your USP is that you have a membrane with 0 0.04 microns, the next will come and say, okay, I have 003. 
then you're replaceable. That is what most people do. They talk about features. Nobody's interested in all the membrane features like the pore size, you know, the material, the flux rate, package density, all the things. The customer wants to know what comes out. He wants to talk about the quality of the water. So that's the difference. And that's, that's what's so important. If you ask me, you know, what are the three common mistakes? And they all talk about features and we have to stop that. So features is one. Do you have another one? No, yeah, and post the pictures from your installations, which are saying nothing. You are selling via emotion. This is important. You have to bring the people in a, in a specific mood. And this will not happen if you send the next RO installation, which you have sent to Saudi Arabia, or the next uh, RO installation uh, with four layers instead of six to, I don't know where, right? It is all about emotion. You will not sell something if you don't trigger the emotion of a person. Again, as I said in this beginning, the customer is not interested in your, your company or your product. They care about themselves. So solve. Now, before you ask me the, what is the third common mistake, <laughs> don't be concentrated on your product. Concentrate on the problem the client has. That's it. So, yet if I look around what many players, I'm not saying all the players, but what many players in, in our industry are, are posting on social media, or if you walk down an alley at IFAT, let's say IFAT is happening, which is, wasn't the case, but will be again the case in the future, you still see a lot of features, a lot of um, our product is the best. And yeah, sometimes, you know, I feel like it's part of the identity of our industry to say that we are not into marketing just because, uh, you know, we are so good technically. It, it feels like, you know, a, a devil's circle. If you start being good in marketing, people would tell you, yeah, your marketing is cool, but what does that hide? <laughs> Do you share that this impression or is it just me and my weird French brain? <laughs> Let's answer this way. I think you are French. I think we both would agree uh, in saying that Mercedes is the best car in the world, right? So, and, no. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and seeing this, the point is what I want to tell you is Mercedes spent 640 million in marketing in 2019. 640 million US dollars in marketing tonight. Why are they doing this if they have obviously the best product, more or less, right? They do this because they want to make sure that everybody knows that they are the number one. They want to stay on the top, right? And it makes no sense at all to have the best product if nobody knows it, right? More important, if, if nobody knows what you have, that you have the best product, you have to tell the message. That's very, very, very important, right? Again, I can only come back to the example of the waterwork, right, with the activated carbon. You have to give the message first, right? It doesn't matter if you tell the people, uh, even on iPad, hey, you have the best product, you have to prove that. And you have to give the story behind that. If you then talk again about the future, the next boost next to you does have the same best product, right? I mean, the point is also a little bit, what is the best product? Is there really a best product? I mean, for instance, if you go to the electronic supermarket, the media markets, right, and you see how many televisions you see? Hundreds. You know, the point is, everything has to fit into the customer need. And he's also thinking, all right, what is the space, what is the price performance ratio, and all the things. Best product is not only, it's not really the best in feature. You don't have to be the best. Sometimes it's also good enough to be good or to be very good. For instance, for us both, we both have kids, so we know Porsche is better than the car we have, but we can't go for a Porsche because we don't get our kids in. Very true. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, it's not a matter that you have to have the best product. You have to have a product which fits to the customer needs and which solves the problem. It's about product market fit. It's about fitting the solution to the problem. So we are, we're back to this aspect of if you understand the problem, then most probably you can provide the right solution and there will be an encounter between 
the customer on one end and your solution on the other. You mentioned something about the fact that you have to um, promote the solution at some point, assuming that that's the right solution. But I think you gave that, that statistics and that was really impressive to me that people believe much more people than they believe brands. I think that was 70% more, right? Yeah, there was a different example. This was about the uh, employee advocacy. But yeah, it goes, it goes in a similar direction. But the employee advocacy actually is my point. It's um, If now a brand starts pushing around the message that they are wonderful and actually they, they deliver a solution which sounds to be resembling my problem. So I, I might be in sympathy with what they have to say, yet that's not as effective as if someone, now not just a brand, but someone working from the brand, someone's really specific, comes and tells me the same message. So that's also a shift from top-down communication to more like peer-to-peer. Yeah, there's a dramatically shift in that. And you mentioned this already with the uh, statistic, you know, which says that if the same content is published either by an employee or by the organization, people trust the employee more by 70% instead of the organization. For me, it was at this time an eye-opener, right? So that means a little bit every employee can become part of a valuable company advocacy and had to build the company brand by being visible on LinkedIn. He can become the face of the company. I mean, what is a company? A company is a building with a logo and a physical address. But what, what makes a company unique are the people. If you understand that, and then that the information, that the information are more trustable by, by the people because they stand for a personal recommendation at eye level. Right, And if you switch back to LinkedIn, what happened next? Right, If a person from this company is, is posting a very interesting article or comment, right, what happened next is that you look at this person into his bio, into his CV. Right? You look at the photo. And the third thing is what you do is you look at the current company. And that's it. That's it. Then you have the goal achieved right? because you want to transfer the person the potential buyer, the lead, the however you want to call that, to your company. You want to link that. Everybody knows, everybody knows, Antoine, for which company you're working for. Why is that? Because of exactly you do the marketing for that. But you don't have to name that all the time. It's the same for me. I'm the face of the company. And for many other examples, it's the same, right? And then you get leads, you get requests, you get questions, you are starting, you know, to to collect the leads and then you can bring them in away from social media into your channel you want to have them. You can spread them to the sales. That's how it works. How do you put that in place? Because we are quite a conservative industry, which means that inside our conservative industry, you would expect to also have kind of conservative people. And now if, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer, let's say I'm the best process engineer there is in in my region. I'm really good at taking a water sample, at um, making a lab analysis, at making a pilot test, at at finding the the right treatment train and bringing this right treatment train to my customer. But I might really be awful at posting stuff on social media, at at writing a blog article, at uh, making an interview. Is it the same kind of skill set or are we looking a bit for zebras like you, where you mentioned at the beginning that you had that link between the technical side and the marketing side? And if there were lots of people like you, our industry might be probably different. Um, so how do you put an employee advocacy in place? How do you convince your employees or your, your collaborators or your, your, your colleagues to kick in this kind of initiative? I mean, you have to convince them that it is a win-win situation for both, right? I mean, from the company perspective, you get also the traffic, as I explained earlier, right? You get the traffic, and from this person, the traffic goes to the company. And the other win-win situation is that this person wins the status as an expert. He is becoming the face. And it doesn't mean that he has to be the expert. He also can go around and can collect. You are you're saying zebras, right? 
if you don't have a zebra, take someone who is, let's say, who's good with social media, but maybe he doesn't have the technical background, and put two persons together. And the one guy is posting the relevant and informative stuff the other one can give him. It's, it's like an interview, right? If you have no content, take someone who can say something and bring him on board, right? This is also, if, if you do the marketing, what, is, what are you doing? You are doing an interview. So you're not creating content. You are asking others giving content. This is the same. It's the same principle. So you don't have to look for the zebras. Just look for the persons who are willing to be visible. This is more important. Most people are scared to be visible. But that's not, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's not, it's not dangerous and things like this. People, really, many, many people are scared doing this. Then they see my face and, and things like this. But you become the face of the company. This is also a lot of benefits for you. As I said, you're becoming the expert. There's, there's a study that people who are more active, for instance, on LinkedIn are more visible. They earn more money. <laughs> Think about that, right? You get more money, right? And you are becoming more valuable for the company, right? You are becoming the face. If you change to another company, then everybody will link you to the new company, not to the old. So who's losing more? The company, right? You don't have to really to, to look for the zebras. Just look for the people who want to be visible and bring the information others have from your organization and bring this together. Then it could also work. That means also for the company, if you put in place this employee advocacy, you're taking the risk that those guys have their own tone and that might be different from what you expect. I'll just give you an example. I saw your interview uh, with, um, with Walid Khoury, very interesting interview, but to me, it's, it's interesting to see both of you because it's like the exact opposite one to the other in the way you present yourself on LinkedIn. On one end, Walid is very, um, he asks open questions and he expects people then to answer and then he's very knowledgeable and he was on that, on that podcast as well and I had lots of fun interviewing him but it's a really different style from you when you post something you have a strong opinion a strong fact and you might be sometimes a contrarian going against a popular opinion and saying hey here are the facts and you might think that but that's not true and here's why so you see it's two different styles i have to say personally i enjoy both of them but if i'm a company and you are now both of you or are, are my employees I might be a bit threatened by the fact that I, I, I lose a bit this control on the way my message is communicated. Is it the, the cost to pay to get the benefits? Well, first, first of all, you will, you will win more than you will lose, definitely. Because what is your goal? Your goal is visibility with your company and you want to have a brand awareness, right? If someone is really just saying only stupid things, or let's say, which is totally against the values of the company, you should stop that. That's, that's for sure, right? But this will not happen. I haven't seen any example for this. Never, ever, right? So if someone really has found something, please post it to me that I have it in my forum. But that's normally not the case. But back to the uh, difference between Bolit and my approach, it is not right or wrong or black or white. It is more, you know, Either both ways are right. You can either create your own content and can post it. Or if you say, hey, I don't have any content, well, I will invite someone and talk with him about his content, about his company, about his work, about his technology, about his problem. Doesn't matter. In the end, it is always about brand awareness, getting visibility, and bringing people together. That's, that's all about, right? And as long as you are, let's say, really not so stupid and post really ridiculous things and things which are forbidden <laughs> to say, you will win more than you will lose, right? You will definitely win. But on the other hand, if let's say if you are an organization and you want to have this program, if you want to have your own employee advocacy, you have to train them. Train them, sit together, right? I mean, don't control them, don't assemble them, but let's say sit together. Ask them, okay, what are the what are the goals you want to achieve, right? About what you can post next. Here's something new. 
you know, bring bring an expert to the round, whatever. I mean, there are so many ways. You don't need to leave them alone, right? And then if you don't leave them alone, these things, what you described, that you are maybe scared a little bit about this situation will not happen. If you train them, if you are with them together, then you know exactly what they are doing, right? If you don't do that, maybe you lose control, but you can always have a look. But other way, I mean, this is what they do on their social media channel. So they would talk about the company in any way. So try to control that instead of leave them alone, right? That would be the message from my perspective. I think we more than scratched the surface on employee advocacy, but I know you, you have lots more to offer. I'll put in the episode notes the link to your book on the topic because I think there, there are additional nuggets uh, there, but I don't want to unveil everything uh, right now. Um, you mentioned visibility. And is there a limit to the extent to which you have to look for visibility? And I, I tell you where I'm going with that. Today, the, the big booming social media is, is TikTok. And I'm pretty sure there might be a few water professionals on, on TikTok. And I, I think right now, one of my colleagues who is on TikTok and does fun stuff, which is work-related and which is absolutely interesting. I would never f have thought of it, you know. Dancing with a pipe is, is something special. But <laughs> is there a limit or shall we really embrace every new wave? and try to, to get as much visibility as possible. What's your religion on that? The easy answer is you have to go where your clients are. That's, that's one thing. I mean, we all know TikTok is new. The audience on TikTok, what I have read, is between 12 and 24. So I think for B2B marketing, for selling the next wastewater treatment plant, is not the right platform. That's just my opinion, right? But, I mean, before, let's say, going after each and every trend, we should use whatever we have, right? The point is, I mean, whatever format you use, is it social media, emails, SEO, paid, whatever? First of all, you have to give. The key is giving before selling, right? And it doesn't matter. First of all, don't go for the trend. Go to what is established, Right, and I gave you some some hints of that, right? And we already talked about email marketing, or or I don't know about social media, about SEO, paid, or there are so many. There are forty-one. Go go on YouTube, go on podcast, but please go where your clients are. If you rely on an agency, you will say, "Hey, TikTok is booming," which is true. Yeah, they have more, I'm not sure whether they have more, but they are growing faster, way, way, way faster than, for instance, Facebook. But is that really, for our industry, we are in the conservative water industry, is that really the, the platform we should go? No, definitely not. We will not sell anything. And the audience is between 12 and 24, something like this. And this is not the guy who is able to take the next decision to buy a pump, to buy a membrane, to buy a complete wastewater treatment plant. So probably we have to wait a bit because, you know, platforms are usually aging together with their audience. Uh, Facebook used to be with youngsters 15 years ago when probably I joined. And uh, yeah, now I feel like uh, <laughs> there's no no young guys on, on Facebook anymore. Um, but right, I mean, before TikTok reaching the demographic we expect from B2B, probably we are in 2030 or 40. So there's still a while to go. Let me ask you for your crystal ball bets here. I saw in one of your newsletters that you were mentioning Clubhouse and that might be podcasting 2.0. And I'm still on podcasting 1.0, so I'm a bit worried. <laughs> should I? <laughs> First of all, I love your crystal ball, right? So we all should have your crystal ball. I'm not sure what is in, but let's say if you ask me what, what could be and what is the trend for really the next the next years in terms of marketing, definitely it is social and social will stay. It doesn't mean that it is necessarily LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is it for the moment. For the moment, it is definitely the largest platform, really, and the marketing tool for generating customer inquiries and building a brand. This is really the largest platform is for B2B marketing is LinkedIn. I'm not sure that in, in five years 
it is still LinkedIn, maybe it's some, something else, which is not known so far. But what else is, what I strongly believe is that podcasts and other listening formats uh, will play a bigger role, right? Yeah, Clubhouse is brand new, I think two weeks, three weeks, I don't know. It is a similar version. It's right now really in the better phase just for, just for, you know, for Apple users and so on and so on, not really B2B. But the point is the listening format. Even podcast is very highly interesting for, from the marketing perspective. Podcast, for instance, in the US and in Europe is totally different. Totally different. There are way, way, way more podcasts than in Europe. But, you know, podcasts are coming in Europe more and more also. Right, it is becoming more popular, and the other big player is definitely video content. Video content on on YouTube. YouTube, by the way, is the second largest search engine machine after Google, and both belong to Google. Right, so you, you shouldn't underestimate. And let's say if you have really fancy and good product, you should have a look on augmented reality to promote. It's not really new, but it's. It has not really reached our industry, right? I haven't seen that. But this is something, if you have a product, for instance, a, a pump, yeah, a pump could be a very good tool to promote this kind of product. That's interesting. Uh, actually, I, I have a, a colleague in, in Belgium that got a nice little project um, to, to make a, a training for welding in augmented reality. And it's fun because you, you do that, a video game, and at the end of the day, you really learned how to weld. And uh, that's a cool way to bring some fun in our sometimes a bit sad and, and gray industry. But yeah, I'm fully with you. It's interesting to see that uh, augmented reality might have something to do in the future. Well, um, Bjorn, I think that's going to be a good opportunity for me to invite you back in a couple of years to, to see if, uh, if that happened. <laughs> it would be a pleasure. It would be a pleasure. To close this deep dive, I'd like to give you some credit here. You had a quote in one of your newsletters that was really impressive to me because that was so accurate. I was like, yo, I would have loved to, to be the author of that quote, but I'm not. That's you. <laughs> it's, um, you said that making money cannot be the purpose of a company or a business because the purpose has to be solving a problem. And when you think of that, that's so logical, but still, you know, it's like the wheel when you think of it, it's so logical, but before the invention of the wheel, people were using something else. But that turns revenue for a company as a key performance indicator. If you are making money, then you're solving a problem and not the other way around. So if everybody does that shift, that's going to make your life more difficult because that means you're no longer alone being a zebra in our industry. But <laughs> but for now, I guess that that's the right approach. And I mentioned it at the beginning, but if um, people didn't subscribe to your newsletter, they definitely should. It's a pleasure to read. Yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah, I mean, just just one word, just one word about about the purpose, right? I mean, every company needs to make money, otherwise, the company has a very short lifetime, and that doesn't make any sense, right? But there was always a reason why the company was founded, and this needs to stay in focus for all the time, right? The company was built to solve a customer problem. And many of these companies are losing this reason over the time and are only focused on making money without thinking what the customer really needs. So and I believe in the fact that companies would be way more successful if they tell why they do what they do and do not tell what they do, right? With a clear purpose, you are not replaceable anymore because no one else has a similar why, right? And if you are not able to tell your purpose to the customer, <laughs> he will decide just based on facts. And do you really want to go to the fight with others to differentiate? We already talked about that, right? We don't want to get differentiated on features or on facts. So if you have a clear purpose, a clear why, then you are no longer replaceable. And that is also, also was also an eye-opener for me, just to give you a short answer on that. I was just checking while you were talking because... I would have bet, and your LinkedIn just answered me, that you're following Simon Sinek. So uh, you're starting <laughs> with why. <laughs> I, I read this book, I think, five years ago. And this book changed totally my believing. 
I'm a strong believer of Simon Sinek. Uh, so much truth what he's saying. He's one of meanwhile I have a lot of lot of really interesting people, right? And really visionaries. But he was really the first for me who changed my belief. And you asked me in the beginning, what is my special source? And I think he was also influencing me by a way or another, right, to find my sweet spot. Definitely. I think if people listening to that never looked his uh, or watched his, his TED talk, that's definitely something you, you should have a look. I'll put the, the link as well in, in the episode notes. I have to say, not to be too enthusiastic about him neither. I loved the TED Talk. I really loved it. I read the, the resume of the book and I, and I loved it. And then I, I read the book and I thought, uh, there's nothing more in that book than in the TED Talk. But <laughs> <laughs> that's usually usually the case with business books. So I, I guess that's, uh, that's kind of a rule. It's not specific to him. <laughs> no, because during the TED Talk, he had to nail the book down, right? Because he was limited in time. True. You remember my, my talk to Walid? I had to nail my book. I wrote down into two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is challenging. I, I get absolutely, it. Absolutely. But um, nevertheless, you know, I, I love the, the long form of the podcast, but I have to be cautious every time as well. So I propose you to switch to, to the rapid fire questions. Oh, pretty cool. I love the rapid fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for the rapid-fire questions. So the, the rule is simple. I try to keep the questions short. And uh, if you can keep the answers short, that's cool as well. But you'll, you'll notice that I'm always the one that makes it longer than it should. So don't worry. <laughs> My first question is, what is the most exciting project you've been working on and why? Um, yeah, I developed the first product with a carbon installation for treatment of micropollutants in Switzerland. I say 12 years ago in Mexico. And that was really exciting due to the complete new application, right? And uh, that was, if you, if you ask me what was my most exciting project, well, this one definitely. Okay, so now uh, I break the rule at the first question, but I have to make it longer. Uh, so <laughs> you were working on Mexico, and it's interesting because actually I was working on the first ever micropollutant treatment plant that was made with ozonation, so the one in Dubendorf. And... Um, I've been arguing, you know, with uh, the full market to say that ozone is better than activated carbon. So I guess you were the one on the other end saying activated carbon is better than ozone. Exactly. Now, now due to the fact that I know that, I don't like you anymore, Antoine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Oh, true. But yeah, it was, it was an amazing time, right, at, at this time. I think really 10 years ago, 12 years ago, where really, you know, this new um, application came up and there was really the fight between ozone and activated carbon at this time. And Switzerland was the first country who wanted to implement or the, the, forced, uh, or the forced treatment step, right? And it was so, you know, exciting. And I was, I was the only one who was pushing this in my company. And I was running against all the ozone guys, especially in Switzerland, due to the fact that Ozonia, right, was based in Dubendorf. Dubendorf hey. <laughs> right? So they were, let's say, more the local player and it was so much fun. And yeah, it was really an exciting project. You cannot imagine how much of a traumatism that that was for for the company that uh, I was working for Ozonia, you know, and uh, to see that activated carbon was the solution chosen, you know, ten kilometers from from the the, the head office was painful. But that's an, an awesome illustration from your your point you you mentioned earlier on. From there's not a perfect product, there's a problem, and every customer has his own perfect product for to him. So. For some of them, the perfect solution is going to be activated carbon. For some others, it's going to be ozone. For others, it's going to be a combination or advanced oxidation processes or many other steps. And, um, you know, now that I changed uh, my position working for another company and I no longer have my goggles on that tells me ozone is so much better, I have to admit it, it's absolutely true that you can find benefits to every kind of solution. And it's really, it has to be project-centered and human-centered and, and that defines the, the right solution. And I've been far too long, so let's let's go to the next rapid-fire question. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite part of your current job? Um, most probably always meeting people. Unfortunately, 
it is it's not possible at the moment, let's say, but to learn from them, to get inspired. Uh, and that's why I'm really looking forward to go to IFA 2022 to see our people again. And I believe this will be a huge welcome back party. That is, I think, yeah, the my favorite part. <laughs> Fully subscribe. What is the trend to watch out for in the water industry? Um, well, that pains a little bit for me because why we are always looking for trends. Wouldn't it be better to solve the given crisis we have, the water crisis? Why do we not use all our resources to make sure that no longer children die because of the fact that they have no access to drinking water? Shouldn't this be the trend for our industry? I mean, let me tell you a very private story, which really was really heartbreaking. I have, I have three boys, right? Uh, and the middle one, which is in the age of 10, he's a very clever kid and very interested in many different things. And he always wants to dive deep into technology. And he always saying one day he wants to be an inventor. Recently, I talked to him about the fact that children in Africa have no access to clean water. And I asked him what he says, how to solve that. His answer totally blew me away. He said very simple sentences. Just build a pipe from the ocean. And after that, he went away, right? And, and started, started the PlayStation. But this triggered me totally because of the point that it is not the pipe. It is the point that everything is available. The technologies, the awareness, the capabilities. But until today, the crisis is still there. That makes me really, really sad. And if you ask me for the trend, we should change that. We should make this, this should be the trend. Absolutely right. I think that's the answer I love the most since I'm asking those rapid fire questions. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> say thank you to, to Eric, my, my middle son. <laughs> what is the thing you care about the most when you're working on a new project? And what is the one you care the least? But mostly if it comes to new project, also new people are involved and are always doesn't matter whether they are internal or external, right? Which makes it mostly very interesting. I Means the relationship, the inspiration, that's what I care most. What I care less, I can't tell you, but uh, most probably all the administration stuff which goes around. Or the permissions I have to ask for. You know, I'm 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 one of the persons who who like to say I'm sorry instead of asking for permission, right? I think that describes my personality very good. Someone said once, or some years ago, about me, it was my former boss, that I'm the definition of a hands-on person. And I was really proud hearing that. I have to say, um, it, it's funny because um, it's kind of the story of that podcast. I think uh, I said that exact sentence, it's better to be sorry. Than <laughs> yeah. But I feel you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Do you have sources to recommend to keep up with the water and wastewater market trends? Um, well, a clear recommendation is definitely your podcast with lots of interesting topics and Thanks. interesting people. Well, other than that, I would go on LinkedIn, especially you can use the hashtag water or water treatment or wastewater treatment, something like that, or you can find some interesting groups to get something out. Other than that, I'm struggling a little bit with this question due to the fact that From my perspective, there's not really the best source given at the moment. There are a few general publishers as DWI or Aquatech or Water Online. But I think it could be could be in a better way, right? To have a clear source. Maybe Antoine, our next project is to publish a weekly newsletter for this industry. Huh? How does it sound? That's a good one. Let me check. Um I have to tell my wife that uh, again I'm adding something, but uh, <laughs> If I get permission, we can have a look at the project. <laughs> perfect, perfect. And last question, would you have someone to recommend me that I should definitely invite on that same microphone anytime soon? Um, if you want to have, let's say, a leader from our industry, I would recommend uh, Case Mayor. Case Mayor was the former vice president of Cambyron Carbon. He's newly retired, but still very active in the activity carbon world. And he really had, or let's say he made a very lasting impression on me. Let's say if you put 200 people in a room and everybody's silent, you would definitely point him as the leader. He has such an aura, 
right? And I met him, I think, 10 years, and I worked 10 years ago, and I worked with him one or two years together. And then we haven't seen each other since many, many years. And I saw him back, I think, 2018. And he came to me, and he was fully aware of what I'm doing, you know, where I come from and what I did in the past. And that was so impressive for me. So if you ask me, if you want to have a leader from our industry with a long-lasting history and management experience, ask him. I will give you the contact. Perfect. Well, um, Bjorn, it's been a pleasure. I have to close that session at some point, And uh, <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> Thanks right. a lot. I hope you have some time in a couple of years to verify your bets on how we should behave in the future and uh, how our industry moves in the meantime. And um, yeah, if people want to reach out to you, I guess the the best place is LinkedIn, right? Yeah, you can LinkedIn, you can use LinkedIn just for my name and you will find me. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is relevant with some relevant marketing thoughts on this or just uh, text me on my mobile. Even this is available. Perfect. Then thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Antoine, and I really appreciate what you do with your podcast for our industry. It was a pleasure for me to be your guest, and I wish you most success with this point. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Don't Waste Water. This podcast was brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Loved this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time.